I am ready whenever, my friend. Sure. I'm tired. Gotta get you a coffee. Hot one, man. I didn't get home till midnight. Oh, hockey? Yeah. Those days, those, those Thursday mornings are rough. Bro. Yeah, man. Those are, you're really physically active. You're getting home late, not sleeping much. Yeah. And I stopped at Wawa and got like a brisket sub at 1130. So that's probably not good. <laughs> Sounds pretty good, though. <clears throat> it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, you can't dude, do any better than that. When you eat heavy like that late at night, though, every time I do it, I know it's going to kill me in the morning, you know? <laughs> Wake up sleepy. Oh, just feeling like shit. But I couldn't couldn't pass it up. <laughs> yeah, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show showdown edition presented by Pri uh, Jack Market. Oh, almost messed that one. I told you I was tired, Matt. I'm Dave Locke, Renette Laffey underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D for those of you podcast listeners. Joined, as always, by Matt Gajeski at Matt underscore Gajeski, G-A-J-E-W-S-K-I. Breaking down yet another night of Thursday night football. I was thinking, man, we don't have a lot of these left at all. We got to make them last. I know. I'm hopeful that we can continue these in the playoffs. I'm pretty sure we did last year. Did, did we or did we not? I Maybe we, we did. Maybe we're we doing too. I guess we were. We did strategy shows. It was a little different because it's not the day of, but you're probably right. We probably we probably scrapped Monday and then did Thursday. Yeah, because so many are all those games in the playoffs are end up being standalone. So you have a lot of showdown opportunities, but that doesn't mean we'll do it this year. I'm hopeful we can though. Me too. And and hey, this is a weird one because on uh, wildcard weekend you got Monday night football too, right? Yeah, the, the change up in the schedule, I mean, I like it because it adds more football. And anytime there's more football, I'm all for it. But it changes up the days they play as well, which should be good for us. We just get more slates. Yeah. So, OK, we'll have a uh, we'll have some we'll have at least first week Monday night. A little action there. We'll do it. We'll do a strategy show. We'll make it work. I love this show. I love doing this. I uh, love hanging out with you guys. As always, hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. First thing you do when you walk in here, just hit the thumbs up. If you're listening on podcast, leave us a rating and a review. If you like this show, uh, we appreciate it. I think we're still, I think if you leave, I'm not sure, but I think we're still doing like free week. Awesome. Plus platinum each week to whoever reviews and rates the, the podcast and leaves uh, their, their handle or their awesome username, I believe. But if you like it, do that as well. And subscribe to the channel. Help us get to 70 K we're 15, less than 1500 away from 70,000 subscribers. Appreciate you guys getting us as far as you have. And if you want, hit that join down below. You want to join Team Awesome here. Get the custom emojis, the badges, as you can see in chat right now, the shout outs, the priority questions, all that stuff. Oh, and a free super chat every month as well. So anyway, one more time. Happy to have you guys here. We'll dive into this. We've got the LA Chargers hosting the Kansas City Chiefs, Matt. 52 and a half point total here. You know, it should be a high scoring game, but these two teams have played some very weird games in recent memory. They usually play very competitive games, one score games. I, I would be, and obviously anything can happen, especially, you know, in, an, in a 17 week or 18 week, however you're looking at it season, anything can happen. But I definitely anticipate this game being close. And you'd say, yeah, well, it's a three point spread. I get that. What I'm saying is, I'd be surprised if there were any surprises. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I think this Chiefs team in particular is looking very different than the beginning of the season. It seems like ages ago we were talking about the sieve that Daniel Sorensen was and how much this team was actually allowing. They haven't allowed more than 20 points in six straight games. They've allowed single digits in four of the last six. This defense has drastically improved, and we're talking some pretty decent opponents. They played the Packers. They played the Raiders twice who typically score in the garbage time fashion. So I'm not going to put much into that, but also the Cowboys, they played some pretty decent offenses and they've held them to respectable numbers. So I think this chief's defense is playing much, much better at this point in the year. The Chargers have been able to score in anybody and the total is still at 52 and a half. So we need to respect that, but two teams that are playing very different football 
at this point. And I mean, it's their second game. They play in the same division. Yeah, no doubt. And and look, I honestly don't know what to make of this Chiefs team. Yes, their defense is markedly better right now than it's been. There's no doubt about that. They've allowed over their last four games, 7, 14, 9, 9, and 9 points to their opponents. Like you said, you know, they faced Vegas. Vegas is just in a complete downward spiral right now. They're, they have collapsed into their own footprint. Uh, then you've got Denver. Okay. Dallas, that was an interesting one. And then Green Bay was a Jordan Love game. It wasn't an Aaron Rodgers game, right? So the defense is playing much better. This will be the stiffest competition they've had. Oh, and they had the Giants before that. This will be the toughest test they've had since Tennessee back in week seven. So I don't look at the defense and say, you know what, the Chargers aren't going to be able to put any points on the board. I do think they've been a lot better, the, the Kansas City defense. But the one thing that stands out to me, Matt, is, yes, Patrick Mahomes in the offense, highly efficient last week. He only attempted four, pa- four 24 passes. They got it done on alternative avenues. They don't usually score the points in that in that fashion. But other than those two Las Vegas games, the offense actually hasn't been that good. I mean, their offensive point total since week seven, three, 20, 13, uh, not including the Vegas games, 19 and 22 against not great defenses either. So is it possible that we see a game once again where it's a defensive struggle? I would be a little surprised. I think a lot of what you said makes sense with what the Chiefs have played as far as level of competition. And on the other side, we know LA is going to score. Justin Herbert's playing at a phenomenal level, and they're a team that certainly can put up points. The first time we saw these teams play, it went over their total at 54, and I think we see something similar to that. The Chargers are a team that will let you run on them because they want to stop the pass. They really prioritize that. And we've seen Kansas city have success with the run recently. So I think they can move the ball and it doesn't necessarily have to be with Patrick Mahomes. And he's probably struggling more at this point than he has at any other point in his career. So having the ability to run the ball with multiple backs, I think could benefit Kansas city, especially if they get the opening kickoff and score right away or something like that and play with the lead. But then on the other side, we know LA can score. And I'm not worried about the matchup. Even if we do believe Kansas City's defense has markedly improved, Justin Herbert carves up every defense. He does it whether or not his primary skill position players are on the field. And you talk about a guy who really elevates the talent around him. Playing with Jalen Guyton, Josh Palmer, I expect a lot of Justin Herbert here, and I don't think Kansas City's defense will be able to stop him. How much do you worry about the injuries to the defensive side of the ball for the Chiefs? I do. I, I think there's injuries on both sides, like the Chargers offensive line. Yeah. That, that worries me a little bit. The injuries on the Chiefs defense worry me, too. The biggest one is, is Chris Jones, and I believe that's COVID. It's not an injury, if I'm not mistaken, but he's kind of been a big cog in the middle for that defense. He's a good pass rusher from the interior as well. And I thought that would be an area where Kansas City could really take advantage of a Chargers offensive line that's banged up. But losing him is going to be pretty big, I think. Ready to dive into this? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's make it happen. Uh, these games are always fun. Oddly, I enjoy the – for showdown, sometimes I enjoy the, like, Packers-Bears more where I can talk about Demir Bird, you know, and, and Jakeem Grant and those type of guys and the Allen Lazar. Like, just, to, you know, the, where you have a couple key players, but then you're kind of trying to piece the puzzle together without all of these top options. And I say that because with this, you've got Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, you have Herbert, you have Eckler, Keenan Allen, Travis Kelsey, so many good players. Uh, this also has to be the cheapest that Travis Kelsey has been on a showdown slate all season, and it's not even close. I mean, we'll start it off with him. Have you seen Travis Kelsey's price point today? This is crazy based on what we've seen in price that in the past. Yeah, I did. I ran some optimals this morning on DraftKings specifically. He was popping in almost every single one. And I think it is warranted. This has basically been the worst year of his career since he was like a very young player going all the way back to his rookie year. Yeah, He's had multiple games like at or below 30 yards receiving. Some of that, I think, because they've had production on the defensive side of the ball. They've been able to run a little more than they have in past years. And then they're spreading the ball around a little more than normal. You actually have some playmakers, and I don't think any of them are fantastic, but these ancillary options like Josh Gordon and Byron Pringles played well in his role. Nicole Hardman, 
these guys, they can spread the ball around a little bit and they haven't needed to rely on Kelsey as much. So I do think the price discount is warranted, but man, is it tantalizing at this, at this point and during this game? Yeah, you're damn right. It is. And I was looking at odd shopper just to see where we have it, Matt, because at odd shopper, we give you the projections that we have for free that you would find at awesome. Uh, and oddshopper.com, by the way, and it's two S's odds shopper. For those of you wondering, I don't know if it redirects if you just do odd shopper, but odd shopper.com, uh, 51% win rate on the under 66 and expected win rate minus 2% X uh, XROI. I only point that out, Matt, to say that we have him projected at 70 and a half receiving yards. His prop is at 66 and a half uh, on bet rivers everywhere else. You're getting him 66 and a half as well. So it, I think you and I talked about it before the show, really efficient props right now across the board. There's a couple we'll get into in a little bit, but I do think what you're getting in terms of salary with Travis Kelsey, uh, in terms of props with Travis Kelsey, in terms of all of this, he's probably fairly priced. It just, it doesn't make him a bad play. Does it mean that we should be, we should be cognizant of what we've been getting from Travis Kelsey this season, as you pointed out? Absolutely. Um, but this has not been the best season for him. Now, the funny thing is he's still going to go over a thousand yards easily. Like he's, you know, he's still going to go over a thousand yards. He's still going to have around 90 receptions. And it, it, the only difference is it's not from a touchdown standpoint. What did he have last year? He had to have had easy double digits, right? Had I to believe be so. I'm, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Travis Kelsey last season had uh, 11. He's at five this year. So he's pacing like seven. That, that's one of the things that has held him back a little bit. And he had 1,400 receiving yards. I mean, Travis Kelsey last year wasn't one of the best tight ends. He was one of the best fantasy players in the entire league. So take all of that into consideration. But I still think that at this rate, you have to look at Kelsey uh, at that price as, as one of the best plays on the slate. And maybe we have to stop viewing him as the guy who last season finished uh, seventh overall in PPR scoring. But I mean, that's a great price. And the Chargers this season have also struggled against tight ends, despite not struggling against wide receivers. But this whole passing offense has been weird. And Terry Kill is one of those guys too, Matt, where he, if you look at just his, his fantasy point per game averages on the year, he's always going to be towards the top because he's the type of guy that can drop a 50 spot like he did against Philly, you know, 27 against the Giants, against the Raiders. But he also is actually kind of volatile. Yeah, he is. He is volatile. And I think more so this year for a lot of the same reasons that we talked about with Kelsey, not all of the targets are flowing between those two guys this year. They are spreading the ball around a little bit more. And I think particularly in the run game, like last week, we saw basically Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, not entirely phased out of the game, but their roles were definitely decreased because of game script. And I don't think we see that here. But it still does make you a little weary because it's not in the same role we saw at the end of last year. And we need to contextualize that a little bit. But still, when we're talking about showdown and Kelsey in particular, he's fantastic at his price point. But even Tyree Kill, looking at the kind of players that we want to captain, the guys that have the higher percentage chances of being the top scorers on the slate, Mahomes is number one and Tyree Kill is still number two. What I found interesting with Hill is that he actually has a pretty negative leverage score. So it appears people aren't really buying into Hill's kind of lesson production this year. They still think he's the same receiver we've seen in the past. I think I might go to more players like Travis Kelsey, who has a much larger positive leverage score. It appears the field thinks maybe Kelsey's a little wash, but Tyreek Hill's the same player when really they both haven't had the same seasons. That's kind of how I'm handling those two studs. Yeah, that's a great point. And I mean, look, the thing about Hill that's really appealing is he has a 27% target share. Kelsey's at 22 and a half, well, 27.2. Kelsey's at 22.5. These guys literally comprise 50% of the total targets in this Kansas City offense. That's a lot. The next closest player on the season, Matt, is Mikal Hardman at 12.7%. And we've seen a pretty precipitous drop off for him recently. Uh, and then you've got Daryl Williams is, is fourth behind Hill, Kelsey, and Hardman at 10.8. Drops off to Clyde Edwards, Alaire at 8%, Pringle at 8%, Robinson at 7%. You see where I'm going here. Like, this is one of those teams where once you fall past the top two options, and then you consider that Mikal Hardman hasn't been 
getting targeted nearly as often or on the field or running routes nearly as often as he did early in the season. It's really just close your eyes and throw darts. And maybe you go to a guy in Pringle who all three of his touchdowns this season have come in prime time. Nice little uh, the, uh, special teams recovery on that force punt and prime time. The guy's a prime time king, man. But I say it in all seriousness that if you're if you're going the Kansas City peripheral guys like non Kelsey, non uh, Hill, you're basically just hoping that one of them catches a touchdown. You are. I think one thing helps this situation today. Josh Gordon's not going to play. He's on the COVID yeah. list. So that at least frees up like 30 to 40 percent of the snaps, a few targets here and there. And I think most of them will go to Pringle. He's already playing a near full-time role, not completely. He's going to max out at like 70, 75% of the snaps. And from there, the rest of that will be divvied up between Demarcus Robinson and Nicole Hardman. Hardman's more of your direct backup for Tyreek Hill. So unless there's an injury, I'm not expecting a large role change for Hardman. But maybe you see more Demarcus Robinson on the field. He's kind of a glue guy, more of like a blocker. And he seems to fail every time he's in these showdown spots. So I don't have a lot of faith. My favorite peripheral guy is still going to be Pringle. He's not expensive. He's not coming with a lot of ownership either. It's actually a little surprising to me. I thought he would be the preferred value play. And then I think in large field tournaments, you can mix in the Miko Hardmans and the Demarcus Robinsons. Oh, we have Pringle as the preferred, but we have him at 30%, 31%. He's, he's like right there with Daryl. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying of the, the low-priced players, he's the highest yeah. projected on low-priced player right now. They're both pretty affordable. I thought maybe more people would go to Pringle over Daryl because Pringle, I think, has a locked-in role. Daryl's going to be splitting time no matter what, but they're basically like neck and neck. I think they're both good plays, honestly. You were you were all over Pringle in the beginning of the season, too. This was a guy that you said, look, I, <laughs> I could see him. It's funny, though, because you saw him taking over the Hardman role uh, or I'm sorry, the Robinson role. And, and at one point he was taken over for Hardman. I don't know what to say about him outside of if there is a guy, it's, it's probably going to be Pringle. Now, if we're talking about tournaments, how much do we, the, the, the I guess the issue, the issue I come, uh, that plays into hand here is Hardman's more than twice the price of Byron Pringle. So even if we were to say, yeah, Hardman hasn't has been kind of scarcely involved in this offense, his snap counts have come down. You're right. Josh Gordon diagnosed or one on the COVID reserve list on Monday. So very unlikely that he plays it, with Hardman. Even if you like him as a contrarian option to get leverage off of Byron Pringle, you're paying more than twice as much for him. And that just feels kind of ugly. And he's a guy that also comes in a little higher owned than the other players in this offense. And I don't know if this will continue because his role continues to decline, but people like the shiny gadget toy, Nicole Hardman. He has a similar skill set to Tyreek Hill, and he hasn't been able to put that on the NFL field, but people like to play Nicole Hardman. I don't know why. And we've, <laughs> see, we've seen this on showdowns before where right. like, if you just direct leverage with like a Demarcus Robinson or something, and you can leverage high Nicole Hardman ownership. And I don't know if we'll see that or not today. He's actually pretty low owned compared to what I thought he might be. He's a guy I typically fade. There are certain players in this league that uh, if you're on Twitter, you'll notice that everyone just needs them to do well, whether it's a narrative thing, whether it's a, you know, a, a metrics thing, whatever it is. Like Justin Fields is definitely one of those guys, right? It, For sure. I'm one of the people too. Oh, I'm not. I'm, I don't have anything against it, but I'm saying you. When Justin Fields has a bad game, it's Matt Nagy. When he has a great game, it's Justin Fields. I mean, a few and far between. And I, I think, you know, the jury's out on Justin Fields. I think he's still going to be good. So I'm not saying anything like that. It's been an ugly season, bad coaching, all of that stuff. But there are some of the LaVisca Chenault, LaVisca Chenault being another one. Everybody's just a, he's a fantasy darling, Matt. Everyone wants Chenault to do well. Every you remember, it used to be Jarek McKinnon, the spark score champion. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any more of those guys? There's got to be some more of those guys that that come into the league and people are just they just fall in love with them and they it never material. Cordero Patterson was that guy uh, back when he came into the league. I feel like it's these these players people perceive to be values on draft day and they think they're the ones that can uncover the like later round guy like Chenault was a second round pick, but he yeah. kind of emerged late in the draft process. People like being 
like being the analyst or like being the person that identified that talent and then they want them to succeed so much and like fields going after some of the quarterbacks in that draft right. a lot of people perceived him to be the best signal caller so he ends up being a flag plant guy for sure you know who else and and i agree with this but javante williams people uh, people just lose their minds every time melvin gordon touches the football and melvin hasn't been bad and i no. think javante has been better but maybe to maximize javante's skill set he can rest a little bit more and then he's completely fresh when he's out there i don't know i'm making the case for melvin gordon i think javante is better but i don't think melvin gordon's played poorly how hilarious was it though that gordon comes in and gets 24 carries after that injury it how many did javante have they they both had a ton I he think had they like ran six, the ball like 40 times yeah javante no 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 javante still got a lot of work he was still good it's just hilarious because there was this assumption my assumption too that you know maybe this is where javante williams kind of takes over right and gets the 60 40 uh advantage in, in touches he had 15 melvin gordon had 24. so fangio ain't giving up on him not not yet not yet but uh back to back to kansas city i'm with you on hardman is demarcus robinson is there is there any value there at all at his dirt cheap price point he plays more than hardman um, i know i don't think he's going to be targeted quite as much when hardman's in the field he kind of has that gadget skill set where you want to use him but if he's going to be playing more than Nicole Hardman, I think for very large field tournaments, you have to have some interest in this kind of player. It's a very kind of, I think, high risk, low reward probability, but those are the guys you want to target in your Millie Maker scenarios. And I, right now, the volume has been bad for him all year. That's to be expected. The one thing I can say that maybe helps him here is he has a similar skill set to Josh Gordon. Nicole Hardman's a little gadget guy. And and Robinson, he at least looks a little more like Josh Gordon. He plays a little more like Josh Gordon. So perhaps he's the beneficiary. I'm not like our red Byron Pringle's already playing a lot of snaps, running a lot of routes. There's not too much more for him to grow. But for a player like Robinson, he could grow into a different role without Josh Gordon. And I think that's probably the bull case for him. So how long into this game before Blake Bell or Noah Gray ends up finding the end zone? That's the funny thing about Kansas City is they'll morph their player personnel occasionally. Like some, yep. like we've seen them use fullbacks in the past. They use 12 personnel at times. So Blake Bell is definitely somebody you should consider in large field tournaments. I wouldn't be surprised if he scores a touchdown. It's, it's definitely not likely, but we've seen Kansas City do this in the past. I think it would be Bell over Noah Gray, but I'll, honestly, it could be either. Yeah. It'll end up being one of those stupid shovel passes at the one-yard line. You know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They run it a lot with Kelsey. Kelsey, yep. And they also do it with their backups. I know. It's going to happen. Let's talk about the running backs, too. I, I want to let everybody know. Just be, be cognizant of this. If you, if you saw last week's game or even looked at the score, uh, you would already know this. But for those of you that didn't, Derek Gore got a ton of garbage time work, okay? They were, they were crushing the Raiders. He finished with nine for 66, had that long 51-yard touchdown scamper. I don't know. Maybe Andy Reid rewards him with a few more carries today. But I can I can pretty much assure you that, that, that he's unlikely to get worked into this offense. He had one carry and I think one target at halftime uh, last week against Vegas. And even that seems like a lot. So uh, it, it's it's Daryl Williams and, and it's Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I think Williams gets should get if i had to project someone for a few more opportunities in the passing game it would be uh daryl williams matt over the last two weeks he's ran uh 32 routes to clyde edwards alaire's 21 and has i think a couple more targets than he does but i also expect clyde edwards alaire uh, to get a, a few more carries on the ground today against a chargers run defense that has really been the biggest struggle for them all season long especially in competitive games for sure. I think that's somewhat by design too, just knowing Brandon Staley's system Absolutely. on defense. But for fantasy, it's viable. For sure. hundred percent viable. I, I think for this backfield in a perfect game environment where it's competitive, the chiefs can be balanced. It's going to be something like a 60, 40 split in Clyde Edwards Hilaire's direction with most of the pass game work and third downs going to Daryl Williams. That's at least the way it's trended in recent weeks. 
But Daryl Williams has been more efficient than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think this team is just anchored to their former first-round draft pick, and they continue to try to use him despite inefficient play. Edwards-Hilaire, he, he fumbled last week, so he continues to make mistakes. I'm not entirely sure this doesn't just completely devolve into a direct 50-50 timeshare. And we talked about not liking the board too much on props. A rare one I actually do like is kind of trying to leverage this Daryl Williams timeshare. And knowing that Derek Gore played a lot more than he normally would have last week, and you can find some pretty low props on Daryl. I think looking to him in the rushing game, even though he's primarily used as a third back, he should be getting some carries too. My favorite prop on the day is over 14 and a half rushing yards with him. He's just not projected anywhere near the timeshare I expect this to be. And for reference, Clyde Edwards Slayer is projected in the 50s across all these sports books. So getting Daryl Williams at such a low number, I think makes sense. Cross-reference with our projections on Odd Shopper, we have him at 22 and a half yards. So you're getting nearly 10 yards of value. And we're talking 10 yards in a very low range, like 14 to 22. That's a lot more impactful than if these guys were projected near 100. Has a 60% win rate. I think this is my favorite prop on the board. I love that prop a lot. I mean, 22, 14 and a half yards is against the Chargers defense, allowing 4.7 yards per attempt on the ground. Like you said, Staley, by design, this team will give up those gains on the ground to prevent you from, from, from being able to air it out. I, that's a solid one, man. 14% expected ROI, 60% win rate. But what you're saying, too, makes a lot of sense. When you look last week at Derek Gore's opportunities, nine carries, basically all of the fourth quarter work, Assuming this game stays competitive, it's not out of the question to think that Daryl Williams sees five or six attempts. And on five attempts, you just need him to average three yards per carry. Absolutely. And we've seen him be productive without Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Like he's been used as a fullback, like a full feature back at times, not a not a fullback. I mean, like a full workhorse sure. yeah, yeah. at times. So I do think this becomes closer to a 50-50 split. Again, I, I don't think I think it's probably like 60-40 in favor of Edward Solaire, but that's enough on the ground for Daryl Williams to eclipse this. And to your point, if he's extremely inefficient with like three yards per carry, I think the volume is enough where he can like backdoor his way over this. But then you're playing one of the worst run defenses in football by design. It's a spot where I think he could easily eclipse this number. And I think he's viable for DFS too. He's right in the same range as Pringle. I ran some optimals today and you're kind of getting a mix of the studs at the top of your Tyreek Hills, your Travis Kelsey's, but there's a few lineups in the, like the top 20 optimals that actually have Pringle and Daryl Williams at captain. And that's because it allows you to get another stud in. I actually think Williams is kind of live for the captain. If the chiefs get into positive game script, like we saw last week and Williams punches in two touchdowns at a really cheap price, he could easily be not only a high score himself, but the access point to Kelsey Hill, whatever combination of those expensive guys you want to play. You know, I actually don't hate the idea of going over on Daryl Williams uh, receiving yards either 16 and a half receiving yards. It, he's definitely the better pass catching back right now. I, I don't think there's any denying that over Clyde Edwards, Alaire 16 and a half. You can get him. At Bet Rivers has him at minus one sixteen on seventeen and a half. Fan because at Odd Shopper it gives you all of the the books and where the best odds are and where you can find the best line. That's what makes it awesome. You just shop around, hence the name. DraftKings six and sixteen and a half minus one thirty. Fanduel minus one twenty eight. I I might just I might just take the discount on the juice and go seventeen and a half there. That's kind of tempting because. If, if, look at his look at his pass catching work, Matt. Even since Clyde Edwards-Alaire returned, no, he doesn't get a ton of opportunities. You know, three targets in three straight games, uh, three in back to back games with the Edwards-Alaire. But the thing I like about about Williams from both a betting the over on that standpoint and a DFS standpoint is this guy has a history of being able to break off some long catch and runs, and they designed some really nice plays to get him in open to get him in space to create some good yards after the catch. So uh, from a betting standpoint, I think he can crush 16 and a half, even on a few receptions. But from a DFS standpoint too, I'm always interested in a guy that can take one 30, 40 yards to the house. And we've seen him now with a long reception of 38, 11, 38, and 23 over his last four weeks. Those are solid numbers. Absolutely. And I think 
this is a spot where you might even be buying low. And I think part of that is because of game script. I, I just tried to siphon all the NFL target rate by position. The Chiefs target their running back 18% of the time. It's one of the higher marks in the league. Yep. And I think one of the reasons he's only seen three targets per game over the last couple is overall game script. They've just been crushing their opponents. So even the fact that he's still getting three targets in those games is positive. If this stays competitive, which the spread suggests that it will, it's a really good spot to target some pass catchers out of the backfield. And right now that is Daryl Williams' role. If you look over the last two weeks as well, uh, the target shares, are the, the running back target share for both for, for, for running backs is around 23% in this Chiefs offense. Pretty interesting. What are you doing so with too. Clyde Edwards-Alaire? We talked a lot about Williams. He's way cheaper than Edwards-Alaire. Uh, I still anticipate Clyde getting most of the, or at least the majority of rushing down work. But at, at his price point, what are you what are you doing with him today? I, I kind of like him, to be honest with you. I, I think it's a very reasonable price if he gets, say, 15 touches. Yeah, my first instinct was to be looking at Darrell Williams over Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And that was because their prices are so different, yet their roles aren't, their roles are kind of different, but the volume overall should be fairly similar. And right now we actually have Clyde Edwards Slayer coming in with more ownership. I'm curious to see how this, this works out throughout the day, because I think their roles and their prices being so similar that Daryl Williams should be higher owned. But right now the projection suggests that it's Clyde Edwards Slayer. And then I cross reference this with our top plays tool. Edwards Slayer had, I guess the most negative leverage score, I'm not exactly sure how to word that, but he was the least attractive play just based on his potential for being in the top lineups and his ownership. Negative 14.3% leverage for Edward Solaire is a ton of that price. He still could be the top scorer. I think a lot of that's going to come down to touchdowns. If the Chiefs score on the ground, how does that distribution look between Williams and Edward Solaire? If it is Edward Solaire that punches in a pair of touchdowns, he could certainly still be the top captain. Right now, based on where his ownership is, he looks like a decent fade. Anybody else you want to hit on for the Chiefs? Kickers, defense, any other skill players? Yeah, I think Butker's fine if you get to him. It's a higher scoring game environment, so there's just a higher opportunity for other players and a chance that they outscore a kicker. On defense, you'd like a team like the Chiefs, a decent pass rush, going up against a team that throws the ball a lot. Herbert's interesting. He's not going to turn the ball over a ton and the chiefs are down Chris Jones. So I think their pass rush is affected. I'm not going to get a ton of the defenses for that reason. And then obviously Mahomes, I, I don't mind going him last because usually it's a pretty self-explanatory what you're doing here, but uh 24% top play probability on our top plays tool, single game showdown tool. Uh, you check out our express pass too. It's less than $4 or less than $5 a week. Awesome.com slash join. I told you guys on Monday and Tuesday, wait till today if you wanted to sign up for this because it includes a lot of main slate tools. But the best feature you're getting on this is all of our ownership. So the top stack or the uh, top plays tool where we're running simulations and providing the, the probability that they're the top overall play, that they're the optimal captain. You'll, you'll see it for yourself. It's an incredible tool. Matt and I reference at every show. Uh, the ownership projections, the player projections for all these showdown slates. Do it now because it's a full week. For $3.99, $4.99, doesn't matter. Uh, you get all of that for every showdown slate. So, Matt, if you do it today, how many showdown slates are you getting through next Thursday, given the two Saturday games, and or the Saturday and a Tuesday game? Dude, it's like 12. It breaks down to like 50 <laughs> cents. 50, if you're breaking it down cost per slate, it's like 50 cents a slate. Right. Right. And that doesn't include the main, like all the other content that's included in, this, in the, the Express Pass. So uh, it really is the best value you're going to get. Uh, for right now, I would not lead you guys astray. I even said, wait to sign up on this. So uh, if you're going to sign up, do it today for the express pass for the week and, and test it out. No better time than now to get all of these showdown sites, all of the tools for tiers as well. The lineup builder light is included and a bunch of other stuff, player rankings for the main sites and, and much more. So uh, awesome.com slash join. If you want to do that, if you want to get everything on the site, everything uh, for the entire week, 25% off. You can do that as well. Just go ahead and use the promo code NFL strategy show, all caps, all one word. That's everything, every sport, all of our tools for every single contest, 25% off NFL strategy show, all caps, all one word. But yeah, I would say the express pass. If you're someone that's looking to dip your toes in right now and take advantage of these tools is the way to go. 
All right. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Matt, and then I want to know any contrarian captains you like for the Chiefs. People have been bringing Pringle up in chat and, and other places. Any spots you're willing to get to a little bit different today to open things up? For sure. I think this ties into the Patrick Mahomes discussion. The conversation with him usually isn't whether to play Patrick Mahomes or not. You definitely want to play Patrick Mahomes. I think if you're playing cash, he's your captain. Just has the safest chance of being in the top lineup. And he's the most likely to be the top overall scorer. So you want to get him in captain in cash games, low risk contests. But in tournaments, and I did look at our top plays tool. And again, just to speak to all of the, the deals you just offered about the express package. And by the way, there's not a Tuesday game. I'm assuming they're going to push Cleveland to Tuesday. But uh, oh. <laughs> go, go ahead. There, hey, that adds not. an extra showdown. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, no, go, go, so that would give us what? Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday? Yes. Yeah. But no, as of now, there isn't. I'm just, I'm fucking around. Anyway, go ahead. All right. So looking at our top plays tool, we have Patrick Mahomes, six and a half percent chance of being the top captain, but his captain ownership is 13.7%. Now, I think the reason for this is we have a really high scoring game environment. If Patrick Mahomes throws for 300 yards, multiple touchdowns, and two of those touchdowns go to the same player, even though Patrick Mahomes had a great game, Tyree Kill, if he's the guy that catches those touchdowns, he could still outscore Patrick Mahomes. So seeing that his captain ownership is so high, but his top chance of being the top captain is a little bit lower, I would rather play him as a flex play right now in tournaments and look to some of the players you're talking about, the lower own captains. So to answer your question, when I'm looking at some of these guys, I do have a lot of interest in Kelsey because of his cheaper price. You're just building better overall lineups with him. But I still think you can get to Byron Pringle. He actually has a 10.6% chance of being the optimal captain. And to me, that comes down to price. Pringle at his price does not have to score multiple touchdowns. But what he allows the rest of your lineup to do, getting an extra stud, that could be enough to get you there. Pringle has our highest leverage score. There's a ton of leverage with him and the captain right now. So I'm not sure if that was a question from chat or what it was, but I think it's okay to play Pringles and Daryl Williams in the captain today. They do have a higher chance of scoring than some other ancillary pieces, and you just get better overall lineups. I don't think it's crazy at all. Some of the highest leverage on the slate. And you pointed out something important. Patrick Mahomes, top play probability, 24%. That doesn't mean that they're the best player to throw in the captain spot. It could. He still has an 8.3% optimal captain probability, but that's a lot lower than his top play probability. So keep those things in mind if you are using that tool. All right, Matt, let's talk about the LA Chargers on the other side of this one. There was a lot to break down with that Chiefs team. Justin Herbert. Getting Keenan Allen back in the fold, activated from the COVID-19 reserve list. Mike Williams, everyone's good to go. We'll talk about Eckler. That's the one That's the one exception here. But let's break down this passing game first because from Cook to Allen to Williams to Guyton, and then, as you know, the dreaded Donald Parham touchdowns are very much in play in a spot like this. Oh, uh, yeah, Donald Parham, man. All right, so starting first off, Herbert, he's amazing. He has a little bit of mobility too. He doesn't use it quite like some other quarterbacks, but it's similar to like a Josh Allen. He just doesn't get used on a lot of design runs, but I like that Herbert does have like a smaller rushing floor. Phenomenal as a passer. We know LA is going to air it out. And what I like most about Herbert is it hasn't mattered who's on the field. Last week using Guyton and Palmer instead of Keenan Allen, the production didn't really drop off. So Herbert's a phenomenal option. I think he's equally as safe as Mahomes at captain. And I think in certain builds, you could definitely look to Captain Herbert. I think he's viable for cash if you're not captaining Mahomes. I would want to captain one of the two, but I don't have a strong preference between them. Looking at his pass catchers, I think this is a situation where you see Josh Palmer come off the field again and Keenan Allen just comes right back into his spot. There was a lot of talk last week what would happen without Keenan Allen. A lot of people thought Mike Williams would see a role change, but he really didn't. He played his same role. Jalen Guyton played his same role, which is basically an under-targeted field stretcher. And Josh Palmer came in and played the Keenan Allen role. Suggests to me that these receivers have like direct backups for each other. And perhaps Josh Palmer's just like, he'll still play a rotational role, but Keenan Allen should come right back in and take over his old role at the expense of Palmer. So I think that, did you, did you see it differently, first of all, before we move on? I don't see it any differently, no. I, I, well, I, guess, I guess the thing here is why... 
why go back to anything other than what we had seen before Keenan Allen went down? Now, if Austin Eckler ends up not playing, and, and as of now, I still have him in, but if he ends up not playing, that changes a lot because you're not going to be targeting your running back in the passing game nearly as much. He is arguably the best pass catching back in the game right now, at least the best healthy one in the game. Uh, ultimately, I look at somebody like Guyton continuing to play mid-50s in snaps. He'll get a couple opportunities, probably a deep ball or two. Uh, and then Palmer, who played, what was it, 80? I think you 87, yeah, 87% of snaps last week, goes back to his typical role. I don't, I, I don't see why we would look at this any different than the way we did before Keenan Allen got placed on the COVID list. I agree with you. And because we had Keenan Allen out last week, I think you saw a price increase on Palmer a little bit. He's still really cheap, but I would expect Palmer to be like a 1K type player if he, he didn't have a big game last week. And Guyton's very expensive for a guy that plays roughly 50, 60% of the snaps. We know Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are locked onto the field. Those guys are every down players, full route participations, but occasionally LA does use 12 personnel. That's going to be Jared Cook and Donald Parham. When they use that personnel package, it's Guyton that comes off the field. So he's affected... And I think he's a bit expensive for the role he'll play today with a fully healthy wide receiver core. I'll include tight ends in there, fully healthy pass catcher core. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, with the thing about Parham and Jared Cook is because Jared Cook found the end zone yesterday. Matter of fact, he had back-to-back targets in the end zone, ended up bringing one of them in for a touchdown. I said, yeah, I meant last week. Uh, he's now scored in two of his last three games. He's got four touchdowns on the year. When it comes to guys like Jared Cook, you need touchdowns. And, yeah, his, ta- his target share for a tight end, it's not dreadful. But really, Matt, you're going into this game hoping for two or three receptions, you know, 20 to 30 yards and a score. I mean, that's what you're looking for out of somebody like Jared Cook. Uh, from Donald Parham, you're hoping for a, a touchdown, and, and you absolutely need a touchdown. Without a touchdown, it's not going to get you there. Just so we're just so we're reasonable about or <clears throat> reasonable about where we need to be with these guys, you need them to score. And if they don't score, you're not going to get there. I, I think right now, if you're prioritizing options, the reason people like Tyree Kill is because he has 131 targets on the season, right? Just a ridiculous number of targets uh, among all players. He's second behind only Cooper Cup. If you look at Keenan Allen, 124 targets, and he's played one fewer game than Tyree Kill. He has a 27% target share. They're almost identical in target share, just not an A dot and you know overall explosiveness. But Keenan Allen is a PPR king, and he's probably in this game getting double-digit targets once again. At his price, I think he's more than reasonable, one of my favorite options, because he's I think you begin to see positive touchdown regression with him. He is getting ownership. All I'm saying is rightfully so. Whenever you have a guy that's not egregiously overpriced and he's getting averaging over 10 targets per game, you have to like him in a, in a spot with a 52 and a half point total. Yeah. I like Keenan a lot. I think he's semi cash viable. I think there's some builds where you can include both him and Mike Williams. They're the two players that are on the field for every single snap. They both have positive leverage scores. So I think they're completely fine if you're stacking the L.A. side of this game. Keenan Allen's obviously the more targeted receiver. Mike Williams, he's kind of more your bigger body downfield contested catch player, which leads to big games. It also leads to games with two or three DraftKings points. You need to be aware of that. But at the same time, for tournaments, the ceiling's there for them both, which is what I really like. Once you get behind those guys, the L.A. pass catchers, I think, are really hard to get to. We already broke down the Guitans and the Palmers of the world. But even the tight end position with Jared Cook, he's really expensive. So when it comes to Jared Cook, Donald Parham, these guys are in a rotation at tight end, but it's not just them. Trey McKitty plays a quarter of the snaps. Steven Anderson plays a quarter of the snaps. And none of them is really seeing a lot more than 50% of the snaps. So could one of them score a touchdown? Yes, absolutely. They actually target their tight ends a lot in the red zone. But are they going to outscore a much cheaper player in Byron Pringle? And are they, out, are they going to outscore him enough where it, it still leads you to the superior roster construction. All of the tight ends, all four of them have negative leverage scores. And I do think this is the kind of slate where people are going to click on names like Jared Cook, like Donald Parham, because they're known, especially like Donald Parham in the DFS community, he's a known commodity. He's not a household name, but people like to click on him because of his athleticism. Where a guy like Pringle, maybe a little less known, is playing a more consistent role. 
I would rather get down to him at a cheaper price and a more consistent role and avoid these LA tight ends. That's a great way to look at it. I mean, Jared Cook leads the tight ends with a 12.8% target share. Donald Parham's at 6%. Uh, what's uh, Trey McKinney's at, at 2.5%. And then you have Steven Anderson at 5%. The, it's, it's a mess down there. And without a touchdown, you're getting two to three points. If that it's, I think that's a solid call map. Now, what about last question here to me, Jared Guyton's price point, Jalen Guyton, sorry, is just, it's, it's okay. I, I'm not enamored at all with Guyton's price point. He's 4,800. I don't think he's egregious, but I don't think that's a good price either. I mean, realistically, if you look at how often he's been targeted this season and where he's been involved in this offense, his target share is 6.9% on the year. That's half of Jared Cook. Honestly, if I'm going to one of Jared Cook or Jalen Guyton, I'd rather go to Jared Cook, but I don't know if I really want to go heavy on this in this range at all, from Cook to Hardman to Guyton, all of those guys in that high four, low 5K range. Yeah, in large field tournaments, you're going to have some of them, but if you're building single entry or three max lineups or you're playing like lar- uh, smaller field tournaments, This is a spot that if I can, I'll probably avoid. I agree with you. I like this slate a lot. I I think there's a chance you see more casual money with the NFL fantasy playoff starting. Obviously, this is a huge game between two awesome teams to watch offensively. And I think there's a chance that Kansas City, their pass catchers go under-owned because of how they've played in recent weeks, very run-heavy with plenty of positive game script. And conversely, you could see guys like Josh Palmer, Jalen Guyton over-owned in really competitive games where they needed to throw without Keenan Allen. So I, I think there's just a chance that the field is a little bit off compared to where we see them. And what makes me think that too, is our tools bear this out right now, which, which is really good to see. Talk about running backs here. I, there is one spot that there are not props yet on this map, but if it turns out that Eckler is active uh, and there are Josh Kelly rushing yard props, and they come in at like six and a half, as we see so often with these backups, wherever it is, just low. I'm going to hit the over on that. I think you could see Eckler spelled a little bit more than normal. He's a running back coming into this game uh, who has already been banged up, and now he's dealing with an ankle injury. And all you would need on on, on a low prop like that. I don't know exactly where it's going to be. My guess would be like nine and a half or something, eight and a half if you get it. Uh, or no, pro- maybe probably less than that, as a matter of fact, probably less. I, I wouldn't be opposed to, to getting some some shots in on that as, as a prop. Uh, or, or if you wanted to look to Justin Jackson, depending on who you think is going to be the guy that gets most of the backup work, it certainly could be Jackson. I still like Eckler if he plays. But I'd be lying if I said I don't have some reservations about what his workload's going to look like. The problem is here, it doesn't really matter from a DFS standpoint. If Eckler plays and they say he's good to go, you just have to assume he's good to go. Yeah, it's just like the Dalvin Cook situation we had from a few weeks ago. Eckler's already practiced twice this week, limited fashion, but he's still been on the field. So he's not even like the true game time decision. So I, I do think he's going to play. There have been reports coming out from some pretty respected beat reporters that he's expected to take the field. Yeah. And I do think this is a game that is must win for both teams, going to be a highly competitive game. So unless it gets completely out of hand, I think Eckler does handle a lot of work. Like you said, I don't know if it's the full Eckler workload we would see because they do have some capable backups. Joshua Kelly is a bigger back. They could potentially use him on like short yardage. And Jackson's a good pass catcher, more of a scat back. They could use him occasionally in third downs. I don't think Eckler has 100% of his role, but I don't know if I'm guessing it's probably like 85%, something like that. I, I think so too. I just also, it's just weird that he was already, he came into last week banged up. Remember he was questionable coming into that last week. Mm-hmm. And now he's got an ankle. You, like you said, they need to win this game. He is expected to play. And if he does play, uh, in showdown slates in these single game contests, I will have plenty of Eckler because he's just too dynamic. He's too involved everywhere. He has 16 touchdowns on a year, man. It's crazy. Nine on the ground, seven through the air. If the fantasy draft for 2022 was today, 
who are your top five picks in a PPR format? Man, that's hard. I think I'm going to need a second to think about that. Who are okay. yours? So I'll give them to you in no specific order because it might take me a little bit of time to think about that as well. But Taylor and Henry are up there. I will go back and take a shot on Christian McCaffrey one more time because I still think he's too good. I understand if you don't want to do that. Totally get it. Um, number Camara? four. What's that? Camara. That I would like to see who, who what that uh, that offense looks like next year. Kamara could definitely be the guy. But what I'm saying is, I think Eckler's a top five. I think he's he's got to be close because Aaron Jones. Now we know he's not going to be the Close. same back. AJ Dillon has kind of he siphoned off enough where I don't think Aaron Jones is in the conversation. Joe Mixon can't catch passes, so nope. he's not there. Is Cooper Cup top five? Uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Barkley are out of the question for sure. You're not drafting Kelsey in the top five. I think you could make an argument for Cup, but at, at this point, I think we've seen the top wide receivers bust so much compared to expectation that I don't know if you want to do that. Like. We've drafted Michael yeah. Thomas, Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, these guys in the first round, and they often don't live up to expectation. Except Adams. Adams has, yes. I think Eckler's probably a top five in PPR. He's, he's, PPR. At the very least, he's like six. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. He's just remarkable. And anytime you get him in these shows, last showdown slate, he went for 41. Yeah. <laughs> you need that. Yeah. He had two receiving touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns against Pittsburgh. Again, if he's active and we expect him to be getting work, uh, I'll be getting pretty heavily to Austin Eckler here. And yes, Kansas City's defense has been good, but that's why when you have a running back that catches as many passes as he does in in neutral or negative game scripts, you just got to load up, man. And he's going to get a decent amount of carries. He's still averaging four and a half yards per attempt, not over nine yards per reception this year. Uh, and he has an insane nose for the end zone. They love him in the red zone inside the 10. Anything else you want to touch on for Eckler or the rest of this Chargers team? I think we we hit it for the most part. I'm not too interested in the backups there because you have alternatives like Daryl Williams and Pringle that are at pretty cheap prices already. So I don't think you need to take those flyers. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. I think we can get to 100. We got 350 people watching a Thursday morning strategy show. It's not even 10 a.m. on the East Coast yet. Hell, on the West Coast, it's not even 7 yet. So uh, appreciate the, the fact that you guys hang out every single time we do these shows. It shows true commitment, and it means a lot to us. Mean a lot to get to 100 likes as well. Help us combat the YouTube overlords. Feed that algorithm, man. Only takes a second, and it helps us a ton to keep putting out the best free content we can. And also, while you're at it, check out Jock Market. Download it in the App Store, Google Play Store, J-O-C-K-M-K-T, where they've turned daily fantasy sports into the stock exchange where you can make money every hour down to the minute. Hell, down to the second buying, holding, selling shares of players in real time before and after the game start throughout all of the games, whether it's NL, uh, NFL, NHL, NBA, PGA, any of that stuff, they got you covered when you download the app and get started. And of course, use the promo code AWESEMO, A-W-E-S-E-M-O, when you sign up for a $50 deposit bonus on your first deposit. The cool thing about it, though, uh, aside from the fact that they've put an entirely new spin on DFS and on fantasy is they have a pregame IPO period where you can pick up shares of your favorite players or the guys you like that day. Maybe you watched Matt and me uh, today and said, okay, I really like this spot. He's undervalued here on jock market. And then you go over and use our free jock market IPO projections at awesome. Every day of the week, they're free. We made them specifically for, for jock market. And you say, yeah, this is great. Uh, I'm going to pick this up. You can keep them. You can sell them. You can add more throughout the day, whatever you want to do. But those are the fun things, the fun aspects of Jock Market. And the last thing, this is the biggest spot. So pay attention. Biggest part. For first market guarantee means that Jock Market will refund any losses in your first NFL or NBA market up to $100. So you get $50 when you sign up using the promo code AWESOMO. You have the first market guarantee. You have the free Jock Market IPO projections at AWESOMO. Uh, and you can get in on, on all of those different sports. So check it out. Download the app, J-O-C-K-M-K-T. Use the promo code and get uh, take advantage of that first market guarantee as well. Jock Market, sponsor of the NFL Showdown Strategy Show. Matt, you ready to build a lineup, brother? Let's do it. 
We're at 99 likes. 99 likes. One more. Someone has there has to be generous, feeling nice. Uh, Mitchell Taylor with a with a super chat. Enjoy the content, guys. Thanks, man. Eckler at captain, he asks, Matt. I think this is the toughest question to answer at this point in the day because so much of it depends on his ownership. And I would love to see how this kind of works out throughout the day, the sentiment around the industry, if people think he's going to be a full go or if people think he's going to be limited. Because if people do think he's going to be limited, I'm more likely to treat this like Dalvin Cook last week, where I think he's going to be somebody that's out there for every snap handling a large workload. But then again, if people automatically assume Eckler is going to be himself, he might be a player I want to fade. I'll reference our tools quick before we move on from this question. Right now, we have him as a bit overowned. He has a decent negative leverage score. So I'm more likely to play some other players in this range. I think the fact that you have Tyreek Hill and Kelsey as some alternatives is lowering this a bit here. But ultimately, I think you need to watch ownership throughout the day. But right now, I'm going to be playing some other captains in that range over Eckler. Fair enough. I'll say one thing. The reason I'm always a sucker for playing Austin Eckler at captain is because I hate putting running backs at captain because of what it does to the rest of your lineup if you're hand building. But with Eckler, you never have to worry about that because this guy can go out there, rack up 70 receiving yards and two touchdowns through the air, and you can still go Justin Herbert. You can still go Mike Williams in the same lineup, and that makes things pretty nice. Uh, D. Owens asked earlier, Daryl Williams, captain, uh, the jamming cheat code. Well, Matt, you already talked about that. You, you, you mentioned that you think it's fine to go with Daryl Williams, the captain, if you want to open everything up and just go full out uh, expensive onslaught for everybody else. Yeah, you could very easily score a couple touchdowns. You want to build one with him like that? You want to try it? Yeah, let's yeah, try it. Let's do it. If we go real quick, we can build two, and I want to put Eckler at captain in one of them. All right. Well, All right. which one do you want to start with? I don't care. And then we'll toss this over to the uh, to the – and an NBA strategy show, Greg Ehrenberg and Adam share coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, let's start with Daryl Williams. Why not? All right, let's do it. All right, let's go. Daryl Williams. So what are you paying for him at captain? 4,800. 48. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you on the screen, you see our lineup builder there from awesome uh, It's a pretty cool feature, especially for you hand builders and, and three maxers and single entry guys. That'll be a, a huge tool for you. I'm going to go. I oh, got it. And I hate I hate these guys in the captain spot because of what it does to the rest of the lineup. I'm going to go Keenan Allen, Matt. I like Keenan Allen. I love the PPR upside. Yeah, me too. I'm going to play Mahomes. Like our tools suggest, you want him in your lineup, even if it's not the captain. He's actually over-owned there, but under-owned in utility. Absolutely. Yeah, essential as a utility. I'm, I'm thinking we might try for a Tyreek fade and go Kelsey here. I think that's fine. Okay. We still have a ton of salary left. Yeah. Like we could play, we could play Herbert pretty easily. Like we, yeah. Like you can, you can throw Herbert in. All right. Let's try it. Gives us 4,400 remaining. And there's a ton of options. <sighs> Go Parham, Palmer, kickers Justin and Jackson. Defense. Yeah. Kickers, defense, any of the tight ends, wide receiver threes. And Herbert's not exactly someone that's incapable of using his legs either. He right. can get you 30, 40 rushing yards, you know? If you put Pringle in, you leave nearly, you leave 1,800 on the table. Let's do it. Okay. Let's go Byron Pringle. By the way, these are just some thought experiments here. We're just, I haven't made any lineups today. I know you've crunched, but you haven't done any hand building yet. So this is just to see how it turns out. Interesting. So and, and if you decided you didn't want to go Herbert, you wanted to go Austin Eckler there, there's a lot of different ways you can make this work. Let's do one more Austin Eckler captain. Um, Matt, you pick the first guy. I'll go Eckler captain. All right, Mahomes. I think we're going to have to build with Kansas City throwing. Okay. Let's go. All right, I'm throwing, I'm throwing Pringle in there. I want to open things up a little bit. All right, he's going to open some salary. I think we still take one of Kelsey and Hill. I like Kelsey buying low and he's cheaper. All right, Kelsey, if we go Keenan here, is there – do we have any – if, if we play Keenan, we can play Demarcus Robinson. We could play Justin Jackson. I think those guys are fine for this kind of build. I don't think Justin Jackson's crazy at all, especially given that we don't have Justin Herbert in this lineup. 
Yeah, I agree. Okay, cool. So you can make some pretty good lineups. Just just looking at this right now, there's enough value on this slate uh, to where, you know, and hey, you want to get crazy, go with your boy Blake Bell or something like that. You could do it. Noah Gray, they throw it, they run those weird screens at tight ends. Absolutely. Hey, Matt, uh, fun show as always. Tell everyone where they can follow you and what else we got going on this week. You can follow me at Matt underscore Gajeski on Twitter. Bowl season starts tomorrow. We are doing coverage for every single bowl projections, ownership projections, slate write-ups, everything you need. Love it. Follow me at Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. I got the matchups, marathon matchup show with Matt Savoka coming up at 11 a.m. It's the only show you need all week if you only have time for one to get ready for the main slate, 11 a.m. Eastern time. And of course, the NBA strategy show coming up right now. Appreciate you guys as always. Check out Jock Market, download the app, use the promo code AWESOMO. And remember, those express passes, no better time to do it, awesome.com slash join. Catch you back here for the next one. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you soon. Peace.